0: Hello and welcome to the Ion Cannon podcast, your new home on the Culture Slate Network for in-depth commentary on lore, the High Republic, and the whole Mm -hmm. canon of the galaxy far, far away. I'm Matthew Neugebauer, and I'm joined all the way across the continent by your friend and mine, Joel Davis. Joel, how are you doing this week? Thanks, Matthew. I'm doing good. Doing good. I'm excited. First time doing something like this, but
1: you know what? I'm ready. Let's do this. Um, I'm looking forward to today's show. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about the High Public Anniversary Special, oh boy, as well as Disney's less-than-stellar history with the video game inter- industry, and much more. But first, The Tractor Beam.
0: That's right, we got The Tractor Beam. That'll be our weekly comic book reviews. We've only got one book this week. It's Dr. Aphra number 17 by Alyssa Wong, with art by min Jung. Santa and our favorite rogue archaeologist are on Coruscant tracking down some more ancient technology. They run into an even roguer archaeologist named Kofan Ferris, who, of course, is working for Crimson Dawn here in this Crimson Rain saga or phase of the comics. She's seeking to weaponize ascendant technology. Now, who are the ascendants? They were an ancient order of non-force sensitives who simulated Jedi and Sith manipulation of matter and energy through magnets and other devices, sort of like the Mandalorians, but a lot more powerful and direct as we see in the comic. Uh, Wong and Jung give us another exciting page turning twist in Afro's Mm -hmm. story. It's capped off by the return of Chelly's imperial nemesis, Ronan Tag, of (laughs) the Tag Corporation. Mm -hmm. Jung's arc continues to present a hint, hint of whimsy grounded in realism and I did detect a bit of manga influence in the facial designs. Nice. Most of all, I love the return to Aphra's roots here. Her story is at its most gripping when it's digging up. See what it does? <laughs> <laughs> uh, new ancient lore for her to deal with in the present timeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also wonder if she's developing a bit of a conscience. You know, There's the contrast mm-hmm. to maybe Ferris mm-hmm. is this demon on her shoulder uh, who mm-hmm. starts to abri- you know, and, and so the contrast to that starts to bring out uh, her own heart of gold, Afra's own heart of gold, and that suggests Santa might be the effective angel on her shoulder and one that might lead her to truer heroism. So that's uh, Afra number 17. That's what the tractor pulled in this week. Uh, coming this Wednesday to a comic shop near you, we've got the ongoing Star Wars number 20, Bounty Hunters number 20, and most important, I think, to this podcast. We finally get more of Marky and Rose origins in mm-hmm. High Republic, Eye on the Storm number one. So keep it locked right here on the Ion Canon, this and every Monday for more comics and reviews. Well, it sounds very
1: exciting and I'm curious to see where Dr. Aphra's story goes. I mean, she started out as kind of a evil Indiana Jones. I mean, you gotta be somewhat dark if you're working for Darth Vader, and yep. who knows where her story will go, and especially when she goes past the OT era. But speaking of comics, uh, we've had a little bit of comic book fun this week because this last Wednesday, we watched The Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 2, The Tribes of Tatooine, and um, there were a little bit of exciting things connected to comics. But um, Matthew, what were your thoughts? We'll start with you. What do you think of The Book of Boba, Chapter 2?
0: So the first thing I want to talk about, (laughs) and we're going to get into uh, a beautiful canon connection there in a minute. (laughs) The first thing I want to talk about was was Boba Fett's, uh, I guess you can call it, his tree quest, his, his mm-hmm. quest through the desert. And um, yeah, a lot of people have compared it rightly understandably to, uh, to the, the, uh, the Kyber crystal quest that mm-hmm. Jedi younglings go through. I thought the closest, parallel—that that is a correct parallel. That, that, that's spot on. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was closest. If there is another parallel to Ray dropping into the pool on Octo mm-hmm. coming out and, uh, and there, there are stories throughout uh, mm-hmm. the Star Wars saga. There are stories throughout, um, you know, human yeah. history and our own religious traditions and mystical traditions. Vision quest is an rebirth. ancient trope of fantasy. Yeah, it very much is. And, um, and so yeah, this the sense of you know we get the waters of Kamino, you know, hearkening to his first birth, and then we get the the dunes of Tatooine and the vision of the Sarlacc pit and him coming out of that. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that are, that's happening Mm -hmm. with this scene is a lot of people have critiqued that they want Boba Fett to be this, this hardcore bounty hunter who kicks butt, (laughs) takes names and that's all he does. And one of the things, yes, exactly. And, and uh, that guy died in the Sarlacc bit, not completely, not utterly, but there is a death and rebirth and I'm so glad they're showing oh, yeah. this other story of uh, you know, how he got into the Tuscan camp, how mm-hmm. he learned their values, and how he's going to then learn to lead with respect. Uh, people are calling these flashbacks, mm-hmm. I wouldn't call them flashbacks. I think they're it's a second main story that nah, is yeah. frankly more fascinating to me. Uh, I, I know all the people oh. are interested in the politics part. <laughs> These are the values that lead to his politics. Oh, interesting.
1: It, in a lot of ways, for me, it feels it is it's, it's rebirth. And in some ways, you could almost, in a meta sense, I like to think of it as birth. Because, yep. um, you know, let's face it, Boba Fett's never really been a character. He's always been the, the guy in the armor. Um, And they've tried to do so many things with him as a character over the many years with books and comics and even the prequels and the Clone Wars. And that's kind of what this is built up on But um, book of Boba Fett really is sort of the culmination and the true birth of a of a new character in a, a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. As much as he is definitely still, you know, he, there's connection to that guy, that bounty hunter dude that we all knew from Empire Strikes Back and right. thought he was cool looking because he stood very still and like, <laughs> look at that armor, look at that armor. But now we're seeing the man under the armor. And it's great. And, um, you know, Star Wars loves its visions. Um, <laughs> so from Empire Strikes Back to Last Jedi to Force Awakens, River One Solo didn't have any visions. Um, I don't you? think they did. Clone Wars had lots of visions, got really weird by the end. Mm-hmm. And it was cool. Um, <clears throat> uh, I love the fact that Boba is... Um, He's a character born on a water planet, and now he's living on a desert planet. Uh, so I just think that's kind of cool. His yeah. rebirth on the desert planet, which apparently used to be a water planet as well, or had water. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and they've been doing... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Joel. But they've been doing... And I love his relationship with the Tusken Raiders. I mean, I just love how they've been doing for it. You mm-hmm. know, showing that the indigenous people of Tatooine and kind of how they've lived... On this planet where there have been settlers, and it's like, oh, they're not just the monsters that go, rrr, rrr, you know, <laughs> we saw in The New Hope in episode two. No, these are people with a history right. and a proud history at that. Um, and I just, I've been loving it, and I just love being able to really see the micro Star Wars on like a micro level, just kind of yeah. like, let's just hone in on this and like really see the nuances.
0: Yeah, it's using symbol and journey and uh myth and personal myth you know chris here has a, a comment you know agreeing that there's so much symbolism mm-hmm. in this episode doing a great job of building the strong foundation for a right. character going forward again you know the the this first half story mm-hmm. in true star wars format the mm-hmm. what we thought was a prequel is actually a mainquel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know uh turns out to be this foundation for a a profoundly impactful hopefully impactful character on the politics of Tatooine and the politics the of, the- of the galaxy going forward
1: and I hope now- you know I hope Boba I hope Boba survives this series because like I think you know if they jump post-sequel trilogy or just continue mm-hmm. filling in this era it's like he could be a big player in this era as like this new character to aff- and I hope this yeah. really I hope the show really affects people's view of Boba Fett because yeah. like I know it's bringing in people who never really like Boba Fett is like to them, it, they, he kind of was kind of the the person who's like the fans want just, you know, to punch people and right. shoot down Han Solo and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But now it's very much, it's very much he's a character in his own right. And he'll have his nuances, his mm-hmm. ups and downs. And he'll be curious to see, curious to see his journey moving right. forward. And also, you know, um, it's really cool that Tam is getting to play him again, an mm-hmm. indigenous person of Maori origin. Mm-hmm. And this episode especially dealt with, you know, indigenous people dealing with colonialist and mm-hmm. settlers and and also some you know nasty crime syndicates mm-hmm. as well and i really love that yeah. scene where it's like you know hey the tuscans can survive on this land with little water oh, you're yeah. gonna do the same thing That's pikes
0: <laughs> yeah that was a great moment too um speaking of gruff uh strong characters in mm-hmm. armor uh we had the uh you know we, ha- we had a certain black wookiee walking out Ooh. yeah <laughs> and as it there you know for yeah for all the for those of us and and this is again at the heart of of some of what ion can is going to be about the 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 paper canning connections exactly. to the screen canon and i'll we're going to go into that a lot more in detail next week but uh for for those of us who who mm-hmm. had you know followed the darth vader comic and the the afro comic and uh, even more of the bounty hunters and, and everything that had been going on in that world. That was one collective Leo point. Yeah. I know <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's this guy. Yes.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's always fun. Mm. I think it's it's like, as much as I like stuff like seeing Ochi uh, a bastoon get expanded upon in the comics. Cause I love that guy in the comics. He's amazing. I, it's, it's more fun seeing the reverse. Cause like, I feel like, Oh, that's even better. Cause like now they're being elevated. It's like, you're, it's almost like a, a upgrade or promotion almost like now you're on screen. Now, People will know you exist.
0: And, you know, the funny thing about that, and this is, again, I'm going to go into more the meta about this next week. But uh, what's what's great going on here is if you don't know who Black Kersantan is, if you haven't read the comics, that's fine. You don't really need to know that. You get everything that you need to know. that The twins, they have this enforcer Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, you do not want to mess with mm-hmm. that they <laughs> can back up their claim to Tatooine. Right. But on the other hand, if you do know who this character is, it mm-hmm. just has this other way of experiencing that scene. That oh yeah knowing look that Boba gives oh yeah I love him. that look the the whole reference to the gladiator all that stuff. You know, oh, again goodness. it's not better or worse. It's just Two right. different ways of experiencing the story.
1: And I think I love that look especially because that's like a really good double, double double meeting where it's like mm-hmm. you know, you got Boba and Black Chrissant looking at each other and they're like, okay, like they're probably setting up a fight because these two are probably gonna knock heads at some point. I mean, I hope yeah. so, because that think make a good action scene. But if you're a comic book fan, you're like Boba's looking at this guy like, Oh yeah, I used to work with yeah. him. He was kind of like my evil Wookiee sidekick for a little bit. Yeah,
0: in yeah the comics. Right. Yeah. And I mean, one <laughs> thing this brings up that I did not expect is you know Black K, his biggest connection for me is the aforementioned rogue archaeologist. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, the fan speculation, just uh, off to the races, there are we gonna see her live action? If there's I hope one so. character, yeah, I mean, if there's one character that deserves it, the one character that we thought would happen, uh, mm-hmm. and thought probably should go from a comic to a live action, she's the one character that went from a comic in the Vader comic, a character in the Vader comic, I should say to uh to her own run and then another one her comic runs
1: yeah uh, an audio drama too
0: yeah she got her own audio drama that is uh from a certain point of view of the vader comic um yeah she she's going places and, and you know and another part of a part of this is asian representation queer representation definitely exactly. needed and, oh, and yeah. she's a character that a lot of folks have latched onto. um you know lots of lots of little details in there in this uh you know we talk about uh, with black chrysanthemum the, the scar is there I, it, it's just a little higher and so that's one of those little details i think it's a little higher um it's going through there yeah and you know fan service uh you know, got black k toshi station camion fixer all this stuff that they've thrown into that
1: so that that one's i think it's the most fun because like that's like you have to know who Cami and Fixer are. It's like right. you know, they're like two random Tatooine citizens, but like if you know who Cami and Fixer, are, like dang, that's a deep, deep pull. Another Leo point, right? <laughs>
0: there we go. All right. So yeah, next week uh, we will have talk about Book of Oberfett chapter three. Joel, you have done a bit of a turn on the uh, the culture slate uh, call-in shows. keep um, on the on the main culture slate channel. Keep keep your eyes locked on that um keep yeah nice. uh lots to talk about on the screen canon mm-hmm. um but for now let's transition into uh our our main first main topic and um you know one of the things that is near and dear to my heart uh, as i mentioned off the top i highlighted off the top is is the high republic it is i'll just be personal lay this out there everything i want in in star wars it is a coherent story with mm-hmm. the best authors in all of Star Wars, you know, my favorite authors. And uh, yeah, it's about Jedi and politics and uh, you know, what it would look like for for Jedi to be in the Ascendant. And so what I thought I'd do now that we've gone into uh, wave three of phase one with uh, with the Fallen Star by Claudia Gray, um, I thought I'd first of all give you, you know, catch you guys up on the events if you want to read if you don't want to read, if you want to just dive into fallen star okay there's a um, lot there's a lot and uh so i thought i'd, I'd touch on the main events and then uh, a few of the themes things i see going on overall and we'll definitely have uh have room for discussion and comments in there the first thing i want to mention though is we get a lot of questions about uh what Public, what order uh, should we read this in? A lot of people are, are wondering that. It's a fair question, right? There are a lot mm-hmm. of books. There are three adult novels. There will be three young adult novels so far. Um, mm-hmm. the, you know, three junior novels in the comics, two comic runs. It, it's a lot of material. Where do we start? Where do we go? Um, the basic answer, the fundamental answer, I would give is read it in publication order. The Luminous creators have actually taught been been working with Lucasfilm and the publishers uh, to set the schedule and to say, okay, this is going to come out and then people are going to experience this story from uh, this sequence in this point of view. Right. And then people are going to experience it uh, uh, the next story and on and on. So that's the answer. You know, again, I'm going to go through this. So if you want after this to pick up fallen star, that's fair too if you just want to do the adult books or just the young adult books. Um yeah, it is a good Joe.
1: I mean, I'm someone who started with Return of the Jedi as the first Star Wars movie, so uh trust me, sometimes you can't do it out of order, but uh yeah. Star Wars love talking about their order.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh you know, it, it it they they've built it in so you can get the de- the, the gist of what you need. Uh, again of course the full experience but yeah if you want to do everything publication order we um, get a great comment here from Ben it, it is fairly foolproof and and straightforward in that way so Good one enough. thing I so the first thing I'm gonna do is go through the basic events and I am gonna spoil some things if you if you're okay with that if you're if you're not knowing read everything. Spoilers. you're gonna then you know feel free to to deck out and come back in a little bit but um I feel I feel get you guys caught up here. So before, uh, before everything starts, we have Chancellor Alina So, and she's being elected on this campaign of, we are all the Republic wanting to, and, it, and it's, I believe a genuinely benevolent sense of unity. Um, Charles Sewell, for example, likened it to uh, Camelot of the Kennedys, for example, part of it, and this is both a positive and potentially an underbelly is galactic expansion republic expansion into the outer rim where they haven't really Mm -hmm. had a foothold much yet Mm -hmm. and and there is the chaos and the freedom but also the chaos Mm -hmm. of of not having republic order and peace and and a genuine representative democracy it's true so what they do is Mm -hmm. uh they build starlight beacon and and part of the point with starlight beacon you can see uh, see it there a little bit, uh, behind us there. Um, you know, one of the things in the outer rim is communications are very spotty. And so they, uh, they build this beacon and it, uh, you know, yeah, it it can, you know, you can boost communications and a bigger part of it. You can go and you can meet new people and different people. There's a, a whole pavilion of different, uh, cultures and, and, um, in restaurants and uh, lounges and and all this sounds like a very fancy place.
1: deep space 9 for any star trek fans out
0: there. Yeah, it, it, there is a bit of a deep space 9 but even a more enlightened shiny <laughs> version of it, right? <laughs> right. Um so that's where we start and then uh immediately though there is uh the hyperspace disaster and <laughs> what that happens there is there's a another group called the nihil who are, the, you know, the anarchist, take what you want, um, marauder pirates who... Uh,
1: nihilistic, you might say?
0: Yeah, nihilistic, <laughs> self, self-interested. self Potentially, there is a bit of who are the Republic, who do they think they are? Um, the actual, the great disa- the hyperspace disaster is actually a bit of an accident in which the paths <laughs> just happen to come through uh, different hyperspace lanes and crash into a, a massive starliner that is going towards this uh, uh, agricultural system called Hetzel. And that planet, all the, the shards and the debris is about to hit that planet and destroy everyone and everyone there. And um, that is call for the Jedi. And the Jedi show up. led by Avar Chris, the marshal of Starlight Beacon, uh, she comes and saves the day. With the whole Jedi, we see, uh, you know, in light of the Jedi, we see different um, different Jedi doing their thing throughout the galaxy. But on the whole, things are are still pretty good, even though uh, this near miss <laughs> of this disaster. Meanwhile, there is another threat. Mm-hmm. Um, you Komak know, Vitus and uh, a group of Jedi find. What's this Amexine station, which we actually saw in a comic book, the uh, the Age of Age of Resistance. I believe it's the uh, uh, the Kylo Ren Age of Resistance. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it this wonderful green station, but they end up waking up this uh, poisonous dark side group right. called the Drengir. Oh, it was the
1: Rise of Kylo Ren comic. Well, well, it might
0: have been the Yes, that's right. It's the rise of on trying thing. to get my smoke in a hat, trying to get, right. get everything straight here. So, yeah. So the, the station and the rise of the drain and they, uh, I mean, they have no conscience either. They just want to eat, <laughs> <laughs> they want to eat meat, living meat. They're very, you know, the scary uh, horror salad. Is yeah. Basically. Classic. So trope. And so uh, we have, you know, we have the, the Nile on one side, and the uh, uh, the Drengir on another side, and and the Republic and the Jedi are trying to ward them both off and get them off the planet, uh, off the civilized, quote planets of the galaxy. Um, one of the you know the next uh, next phase, next wave of of this that happens is um, another of the great works of Lina So, she Starlight Beacon, uh, another on on a backworld planet called Valo. She wants to have a Republic Fair, which, like Starlight Beacon, brings the cultural wealth and diversity of the galaxy together. And on day one, the Nihil strike, and they just level the place. It there's uh, death and destruction everywhere. People were upset with Kevin Scott for months on end <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> for for writing this story that we thought was going to be this wonderful celebration, mm-hmm. and turns out everything.
1: It's the uh, middle one. What you people expect from a middle one? Sure, happiness. yeah,
0: fair enough. Yeah, it's it's it's, uh, the middle one that things are lost, but also relationships are forged. We see, for example, uh, the Tagruda aren't actually part of the republic at this point, but there is a much, uh, you know, a, well, I should say a a a wonderful interaction in crisis between Lina So and and the monarch of the Togruta, um Stellan, and uh, Master Stellan, Geos, mm-hmm. and Elzar Man and of course, Avar Chris, and they all come and it's uh, get everybody out <laughs> and, and mm-hmm. defend um, defend Valo, well, well, repulse the Nihil. At the same time, the Drenger have been seated there. Their impact on Valo isn't that uh, in, uh, significant, but they they are there in league with the Nihil. Um, I'll get to the Drenger in a minute. At the very end of this novel, The Rising Storm, and a bit of a bit of a spoiler here. Uh, the they uh, the Nile are, are chased back to their base. Um, oh blanking on his name for a minute. The oh Loden Great Storm. That's his name. Sorry, yeah. and there's a reason I forgot his name. So Loden Great Storm <laughs> and his Padawan Bell you know, are, are on this base. Loden, sorry, has being uh, he's been captive, held captive by the Nihil. Bell finally finds him in the, uh, the Nihil headquarters. And just as he's about to rescue him, uh, Mark and Roe brings out this device called the, ne- the Leveler, which turns okay. uh, Loden into ash, very much almost like Thanos, the dusting. And yeah. Yeah. in front of Bell, this traumatic experience of his master being turned to dust, and uh, you know, I think Stellan sees that, or Elzar sees that too. And there is this first moment of really profound weakness on the part of the Jedi in this in this novel. Um, yeah, it, it definitely is an exciting one to see <laughs> <the> <laughs> Jedi come to the, the uh, this point of weakness and how they respond. Um, Dom here points out, you know, it is one of the best novels of the new canon and i I do agree with that despite people saying oh it's so disastrous and terrible part of that is the way crisis brings out uh who people are in their character so that's uh you know that's most of of wave two meanwhile we do have uh avar and another character keeve trennis and this is in the comics and keeve is i believe going to take on some greater significance avar and kiev have actually allied with the huts on a on a planet to repulse the drengir and always the huts always the huts for some reason but here <laughs> the huts are kind of the good guys because uh you know what can they do against the drengir and the nihil they're they they bad for business <laughs> they're bad for business that's true um <clears throat> sorry so uh what happened in you know, during the, uh, you know, when Avar and Keeve and Keeve's former master, Skier, uh, are, are trying to repulse the Drengur on this planet. And um, the thing about the Drengur, they are they have this hive telepathic mind that they trap uh, their prey into. And Keeve and Skier, they uh, they're actually brought into the that mind. But because they're strong in the force, they can actually similar to with ray and Kylo Ren. In the Force Awakens, they're able to actually be active in mm-hmm. seeking out what, who are the root of the gear here, and they find uh, what's known as the Great Progenitor, and mm-hmm. they're able to see, okay, they're the root of the of the gear. They able Avar and Keeve are able to travel to the the that planet where the Great Progenitor is and end up destroying them. So it seems uh, that the Drenger are actually off the table a little mm. bit. Um, and and the thing about the Nihil then is, are they, you know, what status are they in? Are they splintered? Are they more united? Are they just biding their time? I think they kind of go back and forth. Or also, another way of putting it is, they want to keep the Jedi on their toes. They want to keep the Jedi uncertain and not know when they're going to strike next. Mm-hmm. Um, the one who makes the most uh, inroads into the Nihil inner circle a little bit. Uh keeve does go undercover and, and does gain a lot of intel. Uh newly minted knight Vernestra Rowe. Yeah, year old knight. Um, she discovers the uh the oracle who had been giving Marky and Rowe the Nile paths, and it, it is this weird force gobbledygook of <laughs> uh you know, I mean, because we know hyperspace is somehow connected to the force and there is some theorizing that goes on in, I believe, in the Rising Storm. Um, yeah, the so, Ver, but Vernestra is able to infiltrate uh, to uh, you know, where these paths come from, and it turns out it's this old lady in a pod named Mari Santeca. <laughs> hey, that, I recognize that movie. name? You are supposed to. You are. You do recognize that name? Uh, ancestor <laughs> of Laura Santeca. There, there are a few family connections there. Mari is largely being held against her will, and uh, when Vern encounters her, uh, she lets Mari die in peace. And um, so, you know, that love throws. Vern. Yeah, Vern. She's she's a fascinating character. And we can definitely. I just started reading
1: *Test of Courage*, so um, I really like this. That's those characters so far.
0: Yeah, and and uh, and one thing I'll I'll say, just a bit of a, a tangent. Um, the young adult novels so um i mean so the a test of courage where she's introduced and then in out of the shadows where she's really developed uh where i believe this is where she uh encounters Mari santeca and, and lets her die in peace it, and where we leave off is um with the story of lorna d and she has been one of the uh one of the um the Tempest Runners, who are right below Markian, the Eye of the Nihil, somewhat in this rivalry relationship a little bit. Um, the you know, She is the most formidable of, of the, the three Tempest Runners, clearly. She uh, does get captured by the Republic, yeah. but um, feeds them this funny intel of saying, oh yeah, I'm the Eye of the Nihil, Go, oh. come after me. She's of course able to escape <laughs> to Markian and there is this sense which she uh, n- neutralizes the other two, mm-hmm. um, uh, the other two tempest runners, and is able to assert somewhat of a near partnership with Markian, not quite. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is where the splintering potentially comes from, because you know I'm about 100 and so pages into The Fallen Star, mm-hmm. and where we leave off is mm-hmm. uh, Lorna D is is running around the galaxy trying to escape avar chris who has left starlight beacon to go and seek her out because she believes she's the eye of the nihil interesting it's a lot of stuff going on <laughs> yeah i, I can know. imagine i can
1: see why people get a little overwhelmed sometimes when entering the High republic it's like oh and i thought the mcu was hard to keep up with sometimes
0: <laughs> yeah so <laughs> there's you know there's a, yeah it's, it's a lot of drangir like tendrils of of storyline <laughs> um again basically where we're at is at the beginning of fallen star is mm-hmm. uh the nile are making skirmish attacks but the jedi believe that they're uh this is their their last death throws and right. splintered and we don't know um so that's where we've left off joel i'll, I'll open this up to you a little bit here um, um anything else i'll stand out to you there
1: Well, you brought up the whole, you know, uh, gear of Tendrils with the storylines. I think Mm -hmm. that's why, that's something I admire and something I, I don't want to say dislike about High Republic. I mean, I love the the era. I love the concept. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is just, I'm glad that the books are allowed to do this. Um, So I've only read two stories so far. Um, I've read Lie of the Jedi, um, the first one, because I want to start with the first one, and Test of Courage. And I like Test of Courage a lot more. Um, I just think it's a bit more my cup of tea. I find I f- I found the first one just kind of hard to follow. And kind of a lot of characters just kind of don't remember. I, I just kind of remember them because everyone talks about them. Like, I know who Avar mm-hmm. Chris is because she's kind of the post-child of this era. Mm-hmm. But, I like, I kind of like the story more. Like, here's a small band of characters, like, kind of hook on. And then there's a bunch of stuff happening. Kind of the kind of the, there's big stuff happening, mm-hmm. but smoke is on the small people the small group in it and there kind of how that affects them.
0: So yeah, I kind of yeah.
1: like 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 I want kind to of wish like we had like ten books of just mm-hmm. Verne and her group doing stuff throughout this era and like kind of mm-hmm. seeing just their point of view. Like I could follow just mm-hmm. that tendril of plot. Um mm-hmm.
0: oh you- yeah no I was gonna say um and what I mentioned before is you know the 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 young adult novels mm-hmm. I, I find actually are better written Believe it or not, I, no, and, I... And, and specifically the young adult novels. So, mm-hmm. it, um, you know, into the what was it into the dark, out of the shadows, and then coming up, mission to disaster. I believe, kind of too many things bouncing around in my head. But, <laughs> um, be, for that reason, so that that you know, I find the light of the Jedi and uh, the Rising Storm. They're wonderful, well written, uh, well beloved, even if controversial. <laughs> There's a yeah. lot going on in those books, <laughs> and it's, it is a lot to keep track of. The young adult novels are far more character focused. Right. And again, I mentioned, Ver, Vern, Vernestra. <laughs> she prefers to be called Vernestra. I'm going to keep calling her Vern. <laughs> um, and, and if you read out of the shadows, you you see why her mm-hmm. her character is very wonderfully developed by Justina Ireland in mm-hmm. in that oh, story. Okay. Who also oh good the same. Author. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing that does happen is you have uh, authors who carry on their own, the characters that they've put a lot into mm-hmm. um, uh, a test of courage is, is a young reader's book. And mm-hmm. with, with the, the fun pictures in that I, fe- I've, you know, don't let that uh, you know, repulse you or stop you because I found um, I never found I was talk- wrote, written down to in those books oh. either.
1: I love a lot of the young adult yeah. stuff and Star Wars in general. Really, mm-hmm. I mean, like the most famous one I remember back in the early days was Lost Stars. Everyone oh, loves yeah. Lost Stars, so yeah, I, so good. Um, but that was a really good one. I, I love YA books in general because they're just—I mm-hmm. think—I think they fit more my personal take. Like, I'm a character-driven yeah. kind of guy. Like, I want the character. Like, I like big things. I like the big, you know, like I like there's like a big war going on, but it's like I like it through the viewpoint of like here's mm-hmm. this group of characters. You know, maybe they're the ones who defeat the evil emperor character, and then we win the day. But sort of like we're seeing that big event played through their eyes. And um, I don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong. I'm sure I have. I will probably read Rising Storm one day. Just to take a look. Uh, maybe it's a bit more. My head can kind of wrap myself around it more. But Mm -hmm. I like. I like that kind of more grounded, kind of like something Mm -hmm. I can attach myself to. Beyond that, um, something else I am looking forward to is you mentioned how you know they've always said. The High Republic is the Camelot of, mm-hmm. of, you know, of the High Republic, of the, Repu- the Republic, of the Galactic Republic. Mm-hmm. There's so many republics in Star Wars. That's something we'll talk about. Um, sure. <laughs> but um, if you actually know actual history, uh, Camelot era was only good for certain folk. Yeah. If you were other people, it, mm-hmm. it wasn't that great. Um, yeah. it, it didn't matter. Um it looks shiny but there was a lot of dark underbelly underness and you mm-hmm. know then you get vietnam war and nixon and all that stuff and so i'm kind of curious that, i mean maybe this is the nile kind of is sort of representing that sort of mm-hmm. hey it looks all nice and shiny but uh you're you're 200 and a couple more years before Sis lord starts declaring the empire so it's right. not all good
0: yeah and Um, you know, the, the overall political message of the higher Republic is something, I mean, that's, again, one of the things I love so much about this is, is that very question, uh, are the people we're supposed to trust here? Yeah. uh, Are they blind to their own underbelly? Um. This gets too so good. I'm go about to say,
1: like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious at that Chancellor character. Like, yeah. I'm kind of waiting for. I'm kind of curious to see if she does like a dark side turn. Like, I, I'm not expecting yeah. she's a Sith Lord or anything. <laughs> I think that's a little too early for that. Yeah. But is are like, uh, are you gonna do something that's like it's for the greater good, but it's okay. probably gonna kill a bunch of people? Um, like ooh, I'm kind of waiting she, for something bad to happen.
0: She has those weird lion cat things. I know. Like <laughs> that's
1: very that's very
0: democratic. You don't look scary yeah. at all. So speaking of politics, and um, you know, the next thing I want to get into is uh, what I see about you know the emerging questions of mm-hmm. the Jedi involvement in the Republic War on the Nihil, and mm-hmm. um, I see you know, there there are two aspects to this and hopefully mm-hmm. this will all help tie things together this is my just the way i see things breaking down here interesting on the one hand there is a brewing internal debate mm-hmm. how do the jedi understand their own relationship to the republic right uh, and, and again that's one of the things i love both in universe and because of its connection to I, I think our that own religious good... traditions and whatnot okay. and
1: i think that's a good question because you know yeah. it's like you have all these force powered people who are they held accountable to? Like, you know, they, one of them turns to the dark side and then Mm -hmm. like chaos. It's like, they gotta be held to some account by somebody. Right.
0: So, uh, and that falls under more of the debate from the Senate side, interestingly enough, although, you know, nobody's really asking that question so much. Now the Jedi are a little bit. Elzar man, for example, who he taps into the dark side and is immediately like, Oh, I gotta, gotta go get help here. Um, Yeah, that you know that does uh, come up a little bit. I think more broadly, you know, there there are uh, back in here. You know, how do the Jedi understand their relationship? How do they understand themselves as yeah. an order, as the key, the guardians uh, of peace and justice in the galaxy? And for the most part, they hold to what has been the status quo for. A thousand generations. Yeah. Um, you know they're, they're free to be the keepers of the peace. They're free to go around and respond where they see fit. They have their temples in their communities, where on different planets, and um, they're doing their best. And yeah, free to be keepers of the peace and not soldiers. And that allows them you know, to be present to the galactic citizens and upheld as heroes. Right? We see them being called into action with with Hetzel for example um but they're also relatively independent right? they have right. a separate institution on Coruscant of course separate mm-hmm. institution on uh on Starlight Beacon on um Takodana for example there is right. a temple on the other side of the the lake there right, yeah. um the, like a church kind of
1: it's like a church organization yeah. with a HQ but HQ doesn't really have do a lot
0: yeah so well if we want to bring that up I mean it's more um uh, yeah, it, it, this is kind of a medieval discussion, too, in terms of you know, different religious uh, institutions within Western mm-hmm. European society. Um, again, largely free, but also present. Right Within these stories, we see a growing activist minority led by Avar Chris uh, and mm-hmm. Vernestra and Kiev and a few others. <laughs> They've, they've voiced this. Now, Vernestra and Keeve are very young, and this is, I think, part of their their willingness to to get out there and, uh, and do fight. Good. Yeah, do good, but do good at the, the end of a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even Avar Chris, who is this experienced martial master, mm-hmm. uh, Master Avar Chris, uh, they want to commit the Jedi to the long-term fight. They want to commit their resources and their expertise mm-hmm. and be very much a part of uh, what, mm-hmm. you know, what the Republic does in its military response. Mm-hmm. This was anticipated uh, in light of the Jedi by, again, a Togruta master who happened to be part of the Jedi, even right. though Togruta weren't part of the Republic, a Togruta master named Jora Mali. And uh, she was part of the mm-hmm. Jedi council and also, active on the front lines and there's this pithy scene it's i believe it's page 300 in light of the Jedi*, Mm -hmm. and it goes through all this debate do we are we free and independent do we uh, join a a republic war or or, or or do we do we uh you know make our own decisions about when we engage or not or do we say going forward we're part of this we're 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 in um you know, it, i'll i'll get to why that's supposed to look familiar <laughs> in, um, in a minute um so okay. go ahead. yeah go ahead Joe. i
1: remember this debate because there was actually a connection to um old republic and the legend mm-hmm. stuff back in the day where like, we're like we're yeah. like no, back in the day the jedi we had centralized armies and stuff mm-hmm. like that it's like that's kind of been the history of the Jedi and legends, and I think they're continuing yeah. that in canon. Like the Jedi, like sometimes we're a centralized army organization, mm-hmm. very top down. And other times we're just kind of loosey goosey. We got temples everywhere. We have a council, but we don't have to listen to them all the time. We we do like <laughs> <as> we <laughs> please.
0: Yeah, and, and maybe there's you know something if it, we bring up something to do with the Rusan Reformations or mm-hmm. a canon version of that. So that's on the Jedi side internally, right? On the Senate side. There is a, a similar debate um, because you know Chancellor Chancellor So is happy to maintain the status quo with the Jedi. This positive, happy relationship in which even more you know they commit their talents and their personnel and their resources to this new fight that is actually a very serious threat, and you know it, you have this this army ready to go. This army of of, uh, of uh, space wizards ready ready to take yeah. on our enemies yeah sure why not <laughs> you know and yeah. um again wanting to keep up the the of relationship mm-hmm. on the other hand there is especially i believe this is in also in in uh, rising storm uh, celestine senator tia Tune, and he forms this interesting loyal opposition right. definitely respects the jedi as much as everyone else mm-hmm. um even though lena so wants to paint him as this tr- troublemaker rabble rouser but he does respect the Jedi as much as everyone right. else. It's just that he's aware that they are going to have their own interests and their own power structure. They can't mm-hmm. always rush to everyone's aid. And so uh, he believes that local planetary governments do need to be able to defend themselves uh, just with versions of, say, corsec or other yeah. planetary defense uh, defense institutions. And you know, move that away from saying the Jedi have to rush to our aid so we have almost four different things going on but this generally question did the jedi jump in or not
1: and what i like about everything i've always heard about it is none of it's some of it seems like in bad faith or sinister like um who was the who was the senator who wanted i always forget the name i'm sorry this guy he's the guy who wants like more militaristic republic essentially kind of
0: yeah although i mean still decentralized right there's still right, but, well, no standing army but he's know a right you know and
1: you know he's not like... doing it because he secretly assists lord or anything you know i think i think he got a good point like you can't right. be over reliant on the jedi you can't be over reliant on anything really good that always leads to bad stuff happening um hmm. but you know at the same time it's like i think i think there's like there should be like some sort of middle ground and I don't know. I mean, obviously, since we know what's gonna happen in a couple de- hundred years, I don't think that middle ground ever truly met. Although, mm-hmm. um, if I can get can give my little speculation, my little my little mm-hmm. wink wink, maybe mm-hmm. I think a lot of this what's happening could inadvertently lead to the creation of the Trade Federation and why mm-hmm. these major businesses have super fleets and battle droid armies and mm-hmm. like I think maybe we're, we'll see some. Goes with good intentions, but then it kind of got out of hand.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, especially <laughs> the response from the Outer Rim, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to this uh, growing, growing threat, uh, or not, not growing threat. This growing Republic expansion. We'll see how well that goes when I finish Fallen right. Star. But this gets to uh, my last little segment here. Um, you know, at least in terms of uh, the the catch up. Mm-hmm. What is the High Republic initiative? And, right. and as we've alluded to, you know, the, the emerging questions about Jedi involvement mm-hmm. long term, they're somewhat benign. Like like you said, nobody has right. too much ill will. There's not necessarily a Sith Lord pulling the strings here. So that much. we know of. That we know of. <laughs> the Sith I, exists somewhere out there. The <laughs> Sith are out there, but I, I you know in this in this era, yeah. it's it's a parliamentary debate. If I can put it that way, it's, it's a, you know, a debate. Yeah. Among people who are actually friends. Yeah. Colleagues who respect each other's opinions and, you know, it isn't a matter of a regime change, but 200 years later, they do get taken to their extremes. I do believe this is where this is going, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The extreme of the Jedi taking charge of the clone army to fight the separatist threat, without any question or debate, we don't get any <laughs> right. scene saying uh, we got this army. What should we do? I, I think if, if uh, you know, if that was important, I think George Lucas would have given us that. And, and
1: it's scary because, mm-hmm. you know, in the prequels, I I kind of hate to say this, but it, from like the civilian point of sight, Palpatine's like questioning the Jedi, you know, mm-hmm. I as Mr. Not Jedi civilian. I'm like, no, the cats are got a point. I mean, <laughs> we, what? Because they can move rocks with their mind. We gotta give them. We gotta respect them. Like I, right. I don't I don't trust them. Right. And uh, obviously, Palpatine's evil Sith Lord. But we mm-hmm. wouldn't. I, I, as a citizen, wouldn't know that.
0: Right. And the, so the yeah, there is that part too of of uh, they're lofted up and on this pedestal. Right. Like the the Jedi Temple looks <laughs> like a pedestal, right? <laughs> and say, yeah. like, Oh yeah. Of course, we're gonna accept them taking over this this army. Another aspect of this, again, Senator Tia Tune, uh probably, probably right, <laughs> probably <laughs> has this benevolent uh, intention in mind, but there is a standing army of the standing grand army of the Republic at all, and right. that that's accepted without any question or debate. One that over the course of the Clone Wars, and we see this especially in Season 7 of, of mm-hmm. Clone Wars, gets a lot more independent from the Jedi and from any sort of sense of, uh, you know, preserving peace and justice. I mean, both institutions right. move away from that. Of course, a grand army, by its very nature, moves away from that. But one that you know is operationally capable of Order Sixty Six. Right. So, and when it, when you know I'm asked where is this all going? Where is this? <laughs> where does this end? You know, the High Republic has brilliant stories unto itself. I'm also convinced, though, that. It is a prequel proper to the Skywalker saga. It is seeking to tell a story of how do we get from there to here to from the Jedi right. and the Republic in this gleaming starlight beacon right. to uh, execute order 66. I and mean,
1: if, times. if I have to make my guess, I think a lot of that heavy lifting, especially is going to be done by the Acolyte series, which is yeah coming out soon i don't think this year but next year
0: yeah and i mean and from what uh the news that we're going to get to in very short order suggests uh probably phase three (laughs) (laughs) but yeah um so so that's my my recap um i know again a lot going on is there anything else in there Yeah you find interesting, you want to tease out anyone in the comments want to mention um, what they like, what they appreciate about the high Republic so far.
1: Uh, Yeah. Comments. Let us, let us know what you think about the high Republic. Um, It's been going on and I, I'm still trying to catch up. Uh, I really like test of courage and I, Hey, I got a question. I guess for you, do you think it's possible to really just read the YA novels and get a good sense of what's going on, especially as Mister, as I'm Mister Character Guy over like yeah. big events kind of guy?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think um, again, if you you know if you watch this video, that's going to be archived, <laughs> or go to the Wiki- Wikipedia articles or or other summaries. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, you know, if you want to pick, uh, I mean, I'd recommend reading everything. But if you want to pick one uh one segment of it yeah the the young adult one so so into the dark out of the shadows um again i believe it's called mission to disaster my my brain isn't there's a lot yeah a lot but yeah so the the young adult novels so Mm -hmm. not necessarily yes you could read the the young reader novels the um a test of courage and whatnot but uh the the character driven Mm -hmm. stories that uh and they're they're about younger characters too, right? They're about right uh newly minted Jedi who 200 years later would have no business being Jedi Knights. They yeah. have be the Padawans. Obi-Wan's a Padawan at twenty-five, whereas Keeve and Vern are knights at 17 and have Padawans. Well, Vern has they're a fast tracking those Padawans. <laughs> they're them out. So yeah. Um but what do you have to look for
1: to for phase two? I'm so excited.
0: Yeah. So on that note, let's uh segue into the High Republic anniversary special that came out uh, that was on Tuesday Mm -hmm. and that one previewed both phase one of wave three and uh, phase two and phase one of wave three as I said uh, begins with uh, The Fallen Star by Claudia Gray and then phase two begins in October and so before diving in we, we got a bit of a teaser for phase one wave three
1: will come crashing down. It was a golden age of the Jedi. Yeah. And the Republic. Yeah. It was a time of great peace and prosperity. But all that will come crashing down. Oh no. Oh no. Who will survive Mm. when the light of the Jedi goes dark? Well, that wasn't horrifying, and also, gang, <laughs> <laughs> I'm yes. excited. Um, I love these trailers, by the way. Just to you know, these these trailers, like I'm, I'm glad they're doing this for the for the books. Like last time, something like this happened, it was the NGO, and they got Mark Hamill. To right, come back. <laughs> that was like, yeah,
0: which is cool, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, definitely gearing up for this uh this little beacon there to be, uh we don't know again where I'm I'm you know 100 pages into falling star and uh it hasn't been destroyed yet so <laughs> i That'd don't fully know out. <laughs> yeah yeah you know we, we see that the plans are are, are hmm. going but um yeah it you know definitely all things all, all hands on deck <laughs> all cards on the table so they they did the 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 panel and they did go into what we can expect for phase one wave three and then of course phase two um, Kevin Scott especially mentioned uh, you know, the, how this is going to get more personal for for Avar. One of the things to point out here is Avar again. She's on the the activist militarist side of the Jedi. Yeah. Her close friend and council member Stellan Geos is, uh, I mean, his council member. He's actually taken over as Marshal of Starlight. He mm-hmm. is on uh, the more status quo, independent side and. That disagreement is going to come to an end. What we're going to see, I think, in, and these are stories mm-hmm. written in a pandemic, right? In, in right. 2021, 2022, uh, just like the pandemic, this maybe a thought I had is there, we're going to see the personal implications of these large scale societal crisis. Um, one of the things that come out then is, like I said before, crisis brings out your character. And mm-hmm. crisis brings out uh, the importance of those connections. And Justina Ireland, I believe, said when uh, when this crisis presses Avar Stellan and uh, her other close friend, Elzar, you know, what comes out of that and how they might actually that bond might actually be strengthened. So yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see then if if this more adult novel is itself also more character driven, even as mm-hmm. the grand societal political impact does hit.
1: Well, that that's actually something I've kind of been thinking mm-hmm. about for a while. Is what if we don't see it? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. like because totally. I'm I'm thinking about it like I've been thinking about it's like okay, there's like 200, 300 years before Phantom Menace. I'm <laughs> give or take. I'm a little my math. Uh, yeah, sure. I'm not good at math. But mm-hmm. is there like. Sometimes a crisis can hit and you don't see the implications for the next couple of centuries. True. Like, like they could, I don't think they're like, I don't know. I wonder if they'll go a more subtle approach where how this all ends at the end of the day. It's like, okay, we, we beat the Nile. We won hooray, <laughs> you know, but it's sort of like, or, you know, maybe, you know, there's a little bit of that kind of bittersweetness to it. But it's like, mm-hmm. it's so hard to see, like you see that, like you, maybe you, if you're subtle, you can see the seed of like, Okay, here's how that, that seed grows into this tree that becomes the the prequel era, mm-hmm. or if it's going to be a lot more. Okay, this is what the prequel era leads to. I I can see it more like it's a tiny seed, mm-hmm. like it's like you can see like an epilogue where it's like, and today we signed the corporate army <laughs> Corporations can now have armies. Congrats,
0: yep. that can't go wrong. That's possible. You know, it, it might. You know, maybe I'm reading a lot into it. I, I'm getting excited. <laughs> That's a excited fair point of to, to to, to rein my expectations in a little bit. Um. Another thing, so what they mentioned, what the video brings up is, you know, is Starlight destroyed? I'm wondering if it is also just a vision that is starting to play into the novel. Who survives? Anybody could, (laughs) I mean, that's the wonderful thing about this era is anybody could be killed off. We have Loden going, turning to dust. Um, The, you know, the non-binary Jedi twins, Tarek and Sarit they're i mean i don't think they've been killed but they've definitely they're um i I hope not they've been threatened their lives are are in danger by i think similar by the leveler as well Mm -hmm. um you know all it's kind of the game of thrones thing right (laughs) okay we get attached to uh you know who survives hopefully they don't do that too cheaply you know there there is the the risk of I think Daniel Jose Older once tweeted this out: "Is there's this risk of using killing someone off for stakes?"
1: Yeah. Um, oh, I trust me. I have. A, I could go on a whole rant about death and it's like sure. it doesn't really raise the stakes. Like sometimes it's okay to have all the characters live.
0: Yeah. So we we don't. And, and the fact is, though, we are we're attached to these characters, which is a yeah. testament to how well they're written. Um, another thing from Phase One Wave Three, we got more details from Charles Soule about Markian story. As I mentioned with the, the eye of the storm comic coming out this Wednesday, number one mm-hmm. um, and going into Markian's homeworld and the storm imagery. And I, I feel like this is going to have a similar treatment to uh, Lorna D's audio play by Kevin Scott, mm-hmm. uh, Charles Soule's comic and, and Charles Soule is to me, the master in terms, especially in terms of comics uh, going to give a bit more of a human face, going to see, why he is the way he is with mm-hmm. that storm imagery. And of course, weather <laughs> having you know, is, a, is another very uh, impor- prominent Star Wars thing of, of um, you know, depicting a character's inner disposition. So right. looking forward to phase one, wave three, what, what stands out to you there, Joel?
1: I mean, I'll be curious about March, March uh, on because, you know, sympathetic, sympathetic villain he could be a sympathetic villain he could be just a psycho villain for all we know um yes, you know sure. i mean you know so far you know palpatine really is the only just irredeemably psycho evil villain i mean I guess grievous is to a little extent too but um you know it's like everyone has their reasons for why why they're bad um yep. i have a feeling starlight beacon is not meant for this world for long I, just, yeah. <laughs> i'm going to make a guess and say no one dies or at least not a lot of people die. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if I can think some of these people are going to be li- living on.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh-
1: um, speaking of death, uh, good friend Dominic Jones says, there's a delicate balance that needs to be struck with death in stories. Killing everyone off does mean your story... Killing everyone off does mean your story... Good, It probably means it doesn't mean your story is good, but sometimes it can really give the story an extra kick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, sometimes if you know a character is gonna die, then it, or has a chance to die, it's like, okay, like, uh, you know, it's like,
0: okay, what can happen next? Um, right. it's, it's all about, yeah, it's like you said, balance. Um, yeah, and that's a great point about you know the lead up to the story, right? <laughs> and that's what they're priming us for is the lead up to say, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> thanks, Tom. Um, yeah the the yeah the lead up to uh you know okay are we going to get to attached what's going to happen mm-hmm. how's you know as we go through the actual story itself mm-hmm. um you mentioned I want to pick up on how you mentioned with markian and palpatine one of the things charles Sol has said about markian is he wanted to make sure he and the, the luminous team was writing a, a villain who could stand with palpatine vader um you know Kyler Renstoke. Oh, Stoke, stand, stand with all the yeah, all the, the the great villains in Star Wars. And I think you start it's definitely starting to so far. Um I, I mean that's yeah.
1: hard. That's hard to write it a, I, you know, I mean, you know, the last one to really get a bullseye home run was like Tim's on, you know, with Ron. Sure. Uh so it's like you know, it's hard to write post palp pre mm-hmm. post palpatine villains in a lot of ways. Um yeah. but uh I Marcion Road to me, I always just want to say Marcion and Marchion I'm never quite sure. It's
0: it's, it's a Han thing. Right. <laughs> uh, 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 exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, but um, you know, Markion, he doesn't seem like the mass manipulator Palpatine is. He doesn't seem to have Palpatine's grand brain. He seems more mm-hmm. like so every time I read him, the, the every time I hear about him, I guess the the closest character I could think of is like kind of the Joker from Batman, <laughs> where it's like he's kind of a bit more like he, he has a plan, but he's also pretty good at improvising. And like just mm-hmm. kind of spreading chaos and anarchy. Yeah. So it's like he kind of he's got his kind of juggling, so sort of like, but he can easily still kind of screw up as well. Um,
0: yeah, that's it's, a really great take. I mean, the chaos, like the storm. The, great. I mean that that's I mean it's an organized chaos. Like they have a strategy, but they they you know for for their their victims, it's it's completely uh, you know off the beaten path there. So. Um, Mm-hmm. I, I do think with with this comic it's going to clinch uh yeah, clinch markian as one of the greats i mean again it's charles soul he wrote the vader comic from 2017 right. which is my favorite comic of all time <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh and diving into that backstory and uh for markian and for, for vader for example I'm getting at that mm-hmm. charles knows how to write <laughs> a good villain okay. um, So on to phase two and uh, very briefly, you know, uh, so we got to, I I don't want to bury the lead. (laughs) I I don't think we have a little bit, but um, yeah, the biggest, uh, the biggest thing they revealed is when phase two is set 150 years in the past. And, you know, that was initially vague, 150 years in the past. Uh, What does that mean? 150 years in the past from what? Charles Soul quickly confirmed on Twitter that means we are going 350 years before the Phantom Menace, and uh, that will provide some background to the events of Phase One, and Yay. and that opens up so many possibilities. I know we we got this positive, optimistic Quest of the Jedi uh, a year ago. We got it January fourth, twenty
1: twenty one. Right, um, you know,
0: and, and so uh, it suggests there's going to be some maybe a bit more of a lighter story, more adventurous stories. Uh, it also suggests that phase one doesn't end so happy as we've suggested here that, that everything is that actually way. a lead up, right? Again, we're talking about lead up stakes, uh, starlight beacon, whatever happens with that. There's, there's a, a lead up to, uh, to that event that really pushes the Jedi back into Coruscant gets them to be who they were, we see in the phantom menace right that i
1: mean like three is to be the darkest one if that's the case.
0: possibly yeah and, and so that would then mean that phase two might actually be the lightest one and um one that opens up further storylines i do again still think this whole initiative is a prequel proper to the skywalker saga but uh joel you got excited when we were chatting about this uh you know another aspect of this time jump and this relates, of course to the tales of the Jedi leak that uh, we got. You want to talk about this ramp to the old Republic, right?
1: So, um, I don't know necessarily if the High Republic is setting us up for old Republic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, in a lot of ways, it feels like they're taking a lot of old Republic and just putting it in the High Republic. Not necessarily storylines, but in terms yeah. of like got the got a feel and a vibe. Mm-hmm. Just there's no sis and Revan. <gasps> um, but it is interesting that we're we're kind of going backwards and backwards and backwards and backwards. Mm-hmm. backwards. Um, you know, it's like we're we're getting closer to that point where it's like the last great Jedi Sith War ended, and sort of like we're still dealing with the reconstruction. Because mm-hmm. um, that's sort of my my big hypothesis theory for a, like Star Wars history is like one of the reasons why technology is the way it is is because the last Jedi Sith War was like this huge mega oh, right. thing that's like apocalyptic. It's like it set everything back to year zero, yeah. and that's why we're only now kind of like the Republic's only now starting to go into the Outer Rim and expand at this point. Um, because mm-hmm. of, like it had to start over again, um, because it got that bad, um, but it is interesting. Um, it's gonna be interesting seeing like just oh, we're now starting to go into the outer rim more. It's like oh, right. cool. Um, but uh, in terms of like setting us up for the old republic, um, I don't think there's like any grand plans for it, but you mm-hmm. know, it's if it, there's been lots of little hints and tricks and you know, kind of easing it into it a little bit, just in terms of the wider lore. I'm sure when they make the leap eventually because i think that's gonna happen one day i can't see it never happening Mm -hmm. um i think they'll want to keep it still pretty open because they can do their own thing you know Mm -hmm. it's not gonna be just they're gonna just retell Revan's story i think they'll do their own thing i mean it's got what got five thousand years of old republic there's a lot you can tell um but i think there's gonna be a lot of uh you know i think they're i think it's interesting that they're filling out this particular era that a
0: thousand years of peace
1: um, which was never explored in Legends at all. So it's like, oh, yeah, good. Show mm-hmm. us all of it because it's really interesting.
0: I mean, part of what I wonder about this is, you know, a lot of fans wanted just to jump all the way back to a thousand years or whatever. And I think Lucasfilm Publishing, especially in their wisdom, says, no, it'll be better if we can actually gradually build back towards it. That there'll can... be, right. you know, this point of, um, you, you know, we're getting used to, what this looks like. And then we're getting used to what this looks like. So that things can feel I mean, things are going to be different anyways. It's going to feel different. How Republic already looks different enough, but also familiar enough. And mm-hmm. so for us to actually recognize it as Star Wars, I think just off the top of my head, an example that's one of the weird things about the the Timothy on the the Thrawn prequel trilogy is I mean it's so disconnected it's, for everyone. So disconnected, right? I mean that's um, why I like it to be that's yeah, why I think people like it to be it's fair. It's fascinating, but um maybe even I, getting wider appeal if we have this gradual ramp.
1: I think I think if you want to do old republic, there's kind of two mm-hmm. big ways you can do this. I've talked about this with other people sure. before, and there's kind of the two ways. One, you make an old republic film, and you know, I'm using that as like a broad term. If not actually, Right, Um, yeah. like you make an old Republic film that's very connected mm-hmm. to the saga, yeah. and like you like you tell the last Great Jedi Sith War and how the Sith diminished from the Grand Armies to rule of two Sith. Mm-hmm. So that way you kind of okay, like here's our connection. Like it's a it's again it's, it's like you're a High yeah. Republic. It's a prequel to the prequel, right. so it's like a prequel to the High Republic almost. Um, or you go back even further to like the old night to the old Republic era, that five thousand mm-hmm. six thousand year jump back and just do you kind of almost make a new franchise just kind of Mm -hmm. like there's jedi and there's familiar planets but they're like it's it's new it's a new saga it's a new story just set a thousand years in the past thousands of years in the past Mm -hmm. sure technically you know eventually the good guys have to win because that's how history works but Mm -hmm. you're pretty much open to do whatever you want it's a prequel and in just it's a it's backwards in time but it's pretty much its own (laughs) thing like like knights of the old republic was pretty much its own thing
0: mm -hmm. um yeah and and so yeah i mean that's this question then you know does that do people recognize that as star wars right now i mean dominic brings up in the chat you know the the question of kotor and the revan remake and um you know you know either that will give revan fans their fill and leave things open or it'll make fans want more revan content i mean i i suspect it'll do both (laughs) um (laughs) i mean yeah you know uh Yeah, it'll definitely um, it'll be that'll be familiar too, but in part because we have them in legends. I think one of the things that plagued that era was that the designs looked too familiar. You know, we have uh, these troopers that look like clones, and
1: I like the Knights of the Old Republic designs better. It's mm-hmm. the MMO. I did not like. I did not like those designs. I think the Knights of the Old Republic, mm-hmm. the 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 RPG, those designs were pretty good. I thought those were had struck a nice balance between familiar but new enough.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um, just moving back to the High Republic uh, and there's a, little, a few more details from uh, about Phase Two. Uh, so there's there's some scant story details. That, you know, they weren't going to give us so much, but. Uh, one of the things this opens up is Charles soul can then write a comic about the blade of Bardotta Porter Engel. Um, that should have been our first cu- clue, about the, my first clue about the time jump, uh, he's by the time we meet him in phase one, he's, he's elderly, he's the chef and, and <laughs> he's voluntarily taken on this role in, in a, in a temple. Um, but you know, clearly he's called the blade of Bardotta. He has this backstory that you that must've earned that somehow. Uh, we get Kevin Scott and Daniel Jose older older are writing new comics and uh, it begins. You and dark horses return to star Wars with Daniel Jose older's, uh, all graphic novel. I do want to pause on that for a second. I do want to throw maybe sprinkle a little bit of water on the, on the fire. Um, yeah, it's definitely fun to, to reminisce about all the dark horse comics. I have uh, a bunch of them. Where am I down there somewhere? Um, yeah, they, they did a great job with, uh, with what is now legends there's one canon story in there um you know the the adult comics and the all ages my sense with this and this is this is my clue here is uh they're going to take on basically what idw was doing for star wars it's going to be the the star wars adventures continued in dark dark horse and an all ages graphic novel but yeah they still have the institutional memory of Mm -hmm. of the the old uh, old legends days um, another another little bit here Justina Ireland she's going to be joined by Tessa Grattan for the first young adult for Tessa Grattan's first young adult novel in uh, High Republic um, Justina Ireland and they're going to be writing the first young adult novel in Phase Two um, again we've mentioned Out of the Shadows and uh, the way she wrote Vernestra Rowe and so uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, Another little tidbit, speaking of Justina Ireland in phase one, her junior book, Mission to Disaster. Okay, that's it's the junior book now, dragging my memory here. That's going to have mysterious links to phase two and a certain Kyber crystal, perhaps. So, and I've heard somewhere that there's a connection between Mission to Disaster and even Catalyst and what Galen Erso is working on. Um, So, that's another interesting little tidbit. The last bit. Uh, Grattan, along with Zoretta Cardova, George mm-hmm. Mann, and Lydia Kang will officially be part of the Luminous crew. Nice. They'll be, be on the, the High Republic show uh, mm-hmm. on the Star Wars YouTube. They've all written Star Wars before. Mm-hmm. Man, George Mann has written uh, High Republic Wave 2 Kids Picture Book Showdown at the fair. That was mm-hmm. a fun little book. Um, George Mann has also written indie comics and very much adult comics and, and novels. All of these, of course, you know. You don't. The the thing that they always say is is Star Wars isn't the first book you get published. Mm-hmm. They've all experienced storytellers. Um, de Cordova, of course, has written Crash of Fate, uh, the mm-hmm. uh, uh, Galaxy's Edge tie-in. So, uh, all told, some some pretty interesting details. Of course, again, they couldn't give us uh, you know too much because we I mean, right. probably haven't written these books yet, or they're in the process of it, but also enough just to tease us. Uh, Anything stand out there?
1: Um, I'm just excited to see new authors. I've heard a little pushback from some friends who aren't who are a little unsure of, like, you're stopping, uh, you're not going to continue mm-hmm. after Fallen Star, you're going to go backwards. We're doing machete order, actually. Yeah. We're actually uh, officially approved machete order this time. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm excited either way. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm probably going to like, I'll probably like it, because what I've read, even if I didn't like of The Jedi, young adult mm-hmm. novels have always been my favorite. And mm-hmm. I like seeing new authors, so I'm curious to see what they bring to the table, as always, so
0: bring it on. I'm excited. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, no, I'm, still looking for a horde to charles soul yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean i agree with everything you said but um whatever he puts the paper into to ink uh, i'm gonna gobble that up all right so that does it for our high republic discussion sort of <laughs> um gonna pivot okay. here into there is another high republic story that uh you know it is a canon story it's a high republic story it's a video game. Um, you guys have.
1: It was it the anniversary yeah. special. It counts.
0: Yeah, I guess it was it. Yeah, I guess it wasn't the, mentioned the anniversary special. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's it's the, the Quantic Dream game that. Um, so as for me, as for Ion Cannon, uh, I'm not going to engage with the story as long as Quantic Dream is is, is working on yeah. it. Yeah. Do my little bit, you know. We're um we're gonna do our little bit here to say uh, this is unacceptable. <laughs> you, you, if you want to follow the yeah. news, um, the you know, Quantic Dream has a particular, a particularly egregious history of homophobia and misogyny. And uh, You can
1: say his name. You can say David
0: Cage's David name. David Cage, yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, the, the name's on oh. my mind. Uh, I'll be blind there. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, like You're going have to avoid it. And so what's, what's uh, you know, the interesting thing, you know, Joel, I... I was really curious to hear your take on this because as we were following the news, it was such a huge head scratcher, you know, that Disney, the biggest name in entertainment outside of video gaming, video gaming itself is the biggest industry in, you know, you know, or biggest entertainment industry in the world. Um, How, how does this happen? How do they not vet uh, any group that they're going to work with Disney and Lucasfilm? Uh, What's going on? And Joel, when this was coming up, you said your your sense was you know, like your your expression here. You agree it was a terrible decision, yeah. Um, but not all that surprising. You you were mentioning how Disney does have a history of ignorance when it comes mm-hmm. to the video game industry. Um, you have done some wonderful work of of researching this. So so tell us that story. What what is this history uh, of Disney just not actually uh, understanding how? what's going on in video games
1: well long story short uh disney's just very inexperienced with video games um for the most for the for the for a company with so many ips and so many things they don't make video games they're they're just never been good at it like you got a few like you got the aladdin and the sega and the in the cali games of the 90s um you know, they tried to have their own video game um, studio with Disney Interactive for several years, uh, which shut down in 2016. And they would kind of also license. But then they also have periods of licensing out to others. And sometimes you get a success like Kingdom Hearts, which has been probably their most successful <laughs> video game franchise. The third one came out in 2019 or the 2018. One of those years. Um, but uh, yeah, that was um, they did that. Uh, but Disney's just never been good at this. They've never been good at video games. They just they every they either micromanage, sometimes, especially when it comes to like one of their IPs, like um the Epic Mickey games. Like that was supposed to be their big mm-hmm. come to stardom, and then you know they micromanage the heck out of that game, and it's Mickey Mouse, and they kind of have a very we don't we have, we, we allow only certain things for Mickey Mouse, and kind of a lot of the cool creativity has kind of got whittled down. Or I just don't think they know part of it's they don't probably care either it's like maybe you know i can't i can't you know answer every every mystery because corporate executives are weird in general if i'm sure Mm -hmm. most corporate executives are weird and kind of like oh if they key or good pitch it's like okay (laughs) and you know um
0: i mean one thing to say here is you know we're not trying to provide an explanation for how this happened but um right yeah this lack of institutional memory so
1: lack of institutional memory you know um and, you know, if you want to, you know, get LucasArts into this kind of too and, you know, why they shut down, uh, you know, everyone's saying, oh, Disney shut down LucasArts, something like that. I'm going to be honest with everyone here. If you know the history of LucasArts, <laughs> LucasArts was not in great shape, even when they bought it. Um, 20, 2008 kind of was the declining years of LucasArts as well for various reasons, a little bit of micromanaging. They like couldn't get certain games out. Uh, you know, there's the thirteen thirteen story of like they had a video game, and then George kind of like, oh, well, let's make it a Boba Fett video game, but the mm-hmm. character didn't have a jetpack, so it's like now we have to go back from square <laughs> one. And I think the financial <laughs> crisis also had a lot to do with what happened. So it's like they laid off some teams, and it's like, it, you know, it's like oh, when they brought Lucas, they shut down Lucas Arts. So it's was like, oh, they never. Like, uh, you know, like that kind of like Lucasarts of was kind of in its death throes as well. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, I'm not going to put blame on Disney for that completely. True. Um, certain game engines weren't working as well. So you know, I think they kind of just don't. I think when they see a big game or a big team, it's like. Yeah. Oh, that looks cool. Let's do that. You will make us the money. We don't really know anything about you. Right. Or like they see Blizzard. It's like, oh, you make the, the online games. Well, we'll give you the Star Wars IP because you know you make you make mm-hmm. money. Um, I think they see money signs and like if there's some creativity that comes out of it, you know, that's all well and good. Um, I like Jedi Fallen Order. EA's Scott yeah. problems as <laughs> much as any makeup gaming franchise. And you know, in general. Yeah. The AAA gaming industry, in particular, it's very corrupt and dirty, and mm-hmm. everyone tells me it's like, oh, there's a lot of nasty things going on. Uh, I kind of hope eventually Star Wars just does some smaller games, like give us a A game, double A AA game, mm-hmm. whatever the other rank B game, like Squadrons, although that was EA yeah. as well.
0: But so for those squadron. who aren't as up on the lingo, I'm I'm just curious too. What can you explain okay. what AAA, single A, double A? Okay, so really? AAA games
1: is pretty much big, mega story-driven gameplay games. Um Fall in order, for example, um, Grand Theft Auto—that's okay. AAA. Uh, the uh, the Spider-Man game, the yeah. PS4 Spider-Man game—that's AAA. Okay, um, that would be something. Um, the Arkham games—if anyone's a Batman fan up there—though that's AAA. You know, big game with big story, big graphics. You <laughs> know, lots of money thrown into these. Right. You think to make they're like they're like blockbuster movies, double A, A, B, C. Mm-hmm. You can probably tell by the by the lettering. Smaller games like Rogue Squadron. That's a that's an A game, double A game maybe. Right. Like the original Rogue Squadron, mm-hmm. fun game, not very story driven. Doesn't have this mega campaign story with CGI effect. It's like ah, oh, get an X-wing, shoot some tie fires, bit of a story, mm-hmm. but that's kind of it.
0: So kind of the games that Lucas was churning out more. Yeah, the smaller um, stuff, Public Commando be, maybe. What they're what they're about. I mean, Squadrons. Right. Like you mentioned that. Yeah. Okay.
1: Now, to be fair, I do think in in theory, licensing mm-hmm. out Star Wars is is smart. Like, I would mm-hmm. love to, instead of just making a Nintendo ripoff game, just give it to just give Star Wars to Nintendo and like have them make the Star Wars racing game, right. Mario Kart, but with Star Wars. We all want that. I mean,
0: I got got racer on my PS4 here, right? The the yeah. remaster version.
1: Star Fox with, with X wings. Yeah. Um, Now again, I don't know why they didn't vet David Cage. I think maybe I can think. You know, at at best, it's because they didn't know. At worst, mm-hmm. they didn't care because you know executives are kind of all weird and kind of solidarity money, with each other. <laughs> exactly. Big big money. You know. Um, you know, there's a lot of outspoken people out there, and good for you good for you you know speak out um you know i think though the best we can hope for at this point though is just the game enters development hell mm-hmm. and kind of just kind of doesn't uh, like i've already heard they have problems with the game already and that's maybe that's because, because right. of david cage but that's also because triple a gaming is hard to make and sometimes mm-hmm. there's a lot of complications and apparently they're in paris so they don't have <laughs> a lot of video game designers in paris
0: right. um, yeah i mean it, it... It seems to me, as, as you lay out the story, mm-hmm. that there was just a lack of engagement, a lack of commitment overall, just throughout in Disney's history, in, in Lucasfilm's history. Um, and so to say, well, you do a great job of this. You could make us lots of money. You're the guy. You're the, yeah. you're the thing. And I mean, that's how public sector, private sector works all the time, right? <laughs> Is you're, you're the guy. We'll, we'll rely on you for that. I mean, it's like
1: pitching a movie even to a yeah. certain extent. Like, you know, you get a great director out there. who's like, like if Christopher Nolan wanted to pitch a Star Wars movie, they would, Disney would probably go, great, you're Christopher Nolan. You made Batman like the biggest thing ever for a time. I mean, they,
0: they got J.J. Abrams to do two Star Wars movies. And exactly. We we'll, we'll, uh, we'll can talk about that at a later date. But, um, yeah, and, and it seems to me, yeah, okay. That, that helps me understand this. Hopefully it helps, helps viewers and listeners understand this. Um yeah it, it, it's it's unfortunate it's it's kind of nice to hear that there's some problems with the game uh, <laughs> um, yeah it's a great point uh yeah to, you know to stick to single a games you know smaller games Tom says new pod racing game yes who that'd knows be nice. you know, set in what era set in the high republic era who knows but we could get like
1: <laughs> a new republic yeah. era because hon was like yeah. doing stuff with racing at Never the time knew. And um, um, also, one yeah. more thing I'll just say: I think also, to, if you want to get like really cynical about it, I think also yeah. Disney, maybe I don't know someone at Lucas Art. I mean, you know, Disney as a corporation. I don't yeah. want you know just an individual as a corporation. Sure. I think, I think they're the a part of that that maybe thinks they can get away with it because right. let's face it, it uh, video games aren't the big thing compared to movies and TV shows, and you know, and yeah, you know. Yeah. Or, yeah, but right. I mean they're 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 still big. But it's like, although yeah. to be fair, I think the stigma of a Star Wars—not well, stigma, but like having a Star mm-hmm. Wars game—is like you're gonna get more traction from a Star Wars game to say like the same bad people making Call of Duty every five or the yeah. NFL games every five <laughs> years. Like um, yeah, mean, the wider it, net beyond it's, it's
0: resting on there. its laurels too. Yeah, I guess what I mean is um, <laughs> maybe again maybe this is part of the story mm-hmm. for Disney for Lucasfilm films are are their big deal even though video gaming throughout the world has, I mean, the, the scale of the economy is much larger. Right. They just, maybe they don't feel Bad like touch. getting involved in it. Yeah. And out of touch. Um, yeah. Like you said, the, the best case scenario is entering development hell and never getting made. Um, I, I hope that's true. I don't know. Uh, I think, yeah, right. The best, the best we can do is, you know, positive fandom you know, I mean I say positive fandom blackout Star Wars Eclipse it, it is positive fandom because um, don't, you know, buy it. Well, yeah, don't buy it don't buy it Star Wars <laughs> is for everyone. <laughs> Star yeah. Wars includes everyone and <laughs> High Republic has done you know I mentioned uh, Tarek and Sarah for example um, you know being non-binary yeah. uh, has uh, done you know there, there are other queer characters in High Republic and throughout Star Wars uh, people of color. Uh, we mentioned all the top, uh, with *Book of Boba Fett* and *Indigenous Stories*. They're, I mean, they're not perfect. We're not going to claim they're perfect, um, right? But you know, so many there's, there's movement. I, I, I think it's co- I'm confident okay. enough to say there's movement in other areas, mm-hmm. um, and it's music. Yeah. Th- this, you know. Mm -hmm. and it's
1: a real shame too because you know i i Mm -hmm. have friends who really like star wars through video games Mm -hmm. and like you know i i would love a high republic video game that i would want to buy and play because you know i like that era you know maybe books aren't always my thing in general i you know but i like to try Mm -hmm. something i would like to see through like some people just don't have time so it's like but they have time for a video game you know we all have our lives and like they can experience the high republic. They can kind of get a snapshot mm-hmm. of the high republic through a video game. Like I had a friend who like really liked who got who played fall order and they kind of right. were able to like experience the dark times era of new canons through that video game. It's like, oh, wow, that's, it's a yeah. shame too. It's like, it's a real shame. Like this is the video game for the high republic to reach mm-hmm. different people.
0: And, and let's hope there's another one. Let's hope, um, you know, they, they've learned from, the the whole quandary with E A only turning out three or four games, um, yeah. Let, let, let's hope uh, you know, rebellions are built on hope, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Th- this won't be this won't be the last game that's made, uh, you know, the last horror public story that's made too. So, um, yeah. Uh, again, that you know, again, I'm going to put this back up here. That's that's where I'm at with this. Um that's all you you can do really. What can you do? Uh so on that note, (laughs) uh, I know we're landing on a bit of a dour note, but I should say, you know most
1: podcasts will hopefully end more optimistically. Yes, we
0: we will. Uh (laughs) this has been a a great, you know, first run, I think, of the Ion Canon podcast. We've yeah you know covered covered a lot of ground, a lot of high republic ground. Um Mm. next week we're gonna dive more into what is Canon and how different people respond to Canon and encounter it. Um, For now that should do it with uh, this, this first go of uh, the higher public or not the higher book. Sorry. uh, The ion Canon podcast. Um, Thank you everyone for watching. Thanks. Yeah. Joel, where can people find you? Follow you?
1: Well, most part, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, JID 2021. Um, got my mug, got my mug right here. <laughs> you if you ever see, you know what
0: he looks like, <laughs> there you go.
1: Yeah, um, going. that's pretty much the best place to follow me at the moment. Um, I'm a writer at Culture Slate, so ever look for one of my articles because I always have opinions. People,
0: that's right. Speaking of uh, our, our favorite blue skin villain, you got a, an article up on culture slate.com right now all about him, and yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the, uh, yeah, that's definitely a, a topic we're going to dive into. Is is Thrawn actually a villain? Is he an imperial? Uh, that's a, a bit of a taste going forward. You when can I'm follow me. Have that one. Yeah, it's going to be fun, uh, especially you know, especially as Ahsoka and, and he, he he's coming back anyway. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at N E U four eighty five on Instagram at mneug eleven thirty eight. Uh, I want to say thank you, especially to Chris and to Claire and to Jeff and Dominic and everyone who's been so hands on with mm-hmm. the heavy lifting of getting this thing off the ground. Um, you know, we, you know, many hands make light work. Make yeah, they're work. awesome. And of course, mostly thank you to, to my partner in crime here, Joel Davis. It's been You're fun.
1: welcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had a blast.
0: Yeah. Speaking of blasts, Joel, let's blow this thing. And get out.
1: All right.